This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, struck out. That's eight. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him, line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. This week in Rays Baseball starts right now. Welcome to our latest program, everybody. My name is Chris Adams-Wall. We're glad to have you with us. In this week's show, we'll sit down with our featured guest, Bob Stevenson, to talk about his winding journey through the big leagues and what playing for the Rays has been like after being acquired earlier in this season in a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Rays third base coach Brady Williams will join the show to talk about his first year with Tampa Bay and his relationship with his father, former Major League Manager Jimmy Williams. Then we'll hear from Rays play-by-play broadcaster Andy Freed on the Rays' difficult month of July and what it might take to get the club back on track. Finally, Rays beat reporter Adam Barry will join the program to discuss the Rays' current nine-game road trip and a look ahead to Tuesday's trade deadline. That's all coming up next on the Rays Baseball Network. And we continue on this week in Rays Baseball with our featured guest, Bob or Robert Stevenson. Your choice, but Bob or Robert, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> most of my teammates usually call me Bob, but yeah. I'll just always keep it like Robert on the scoreboard and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. But either way, it's fine. So this is your first season with the Rays, and you've been here for about a month and a half, maybe two months now. How's it been for you? I, we know you started the year with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then you came over in a trade for Alika Williams. Describe what the 2023 season for Bob Stevenson has been like. You know, obviously, uh, with that trade being so early, I... I'm going to be honest, I didn't realize guys could get traded that early. And uh-huh. it, like, it completely caught me off guard. But, you know, coming here, I was super excited to come here and work with um, Snyder. And, you know, these guys have been really good with their pitching staff over the years. And so I was excited to come here. And so far, I love it. What have they helped you with so far? You know, I think the first thing that they really wanted me to do was add some Vila to my slider. Um, so there was a couple things that Snyder mentioned, and made a couple tweaks with that. And then the Velo jumped on it like crazy. And then I feel like it's been a lot better pitch since that happened. Um, and then really just attacking the zone. Not that you want to give away secrets, but are there some noticeable differences between how they do things in Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay? Yeah. Um, uh, like you say, you don't want to give away secrets, but, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's um, more of a philosophy than, uh, than mechanical stuff, but um, I, I really like the way they, they approach pitching. What is that philosophy exactly? I hear all of you guys talk about it, and a few people – go into a little bit of detail with it, but from your perspective, what is the Rays pitching philosophy? Uh, I don't, you know, you don't want to give away too much because you don't want opposing teams to know, but at the same time, you want to fill up the zone, right? It's, it's really, you yeah. want to, you want to attack the zone. Yeah. So you are from the Bay area, correct? Mm-hmm. You, you grew up in Martinez, California. Yeah. I read you only started pitching when you were nine years old. Is that true? What were you doing from ages one to eight? 
Well, I think I started playing baseball when I was seven, um, and then you know you don't you don't pitch until that was like the first year you could pitch anyway, because uh, before that you got coach pitch. So, uh -huh. um, so started pitching then, and you know never thought anything of it until I got like into high school was when I really started like oh I could probably play at the next level pitching. You uh -huh. know, so. And I also read you had you had a four point two GPA in high school. You graduated with that, so you're a bit of a bookworm, huh? Not so much anymore, but you know, <laughs> but you know, when I was when I was in high school, yeah, I I, uh, I wanted to pursue chemical engineering when I got to college. Wow. Um, had I gone to college, and uh, you know, I've always been interested in math and sciences. So. Uh huh. So, not so much anymore. You're not reading up on on that chemical engineering stuff anymore. No. Now I feel like if I were to do something post baseball, I'd love to get into some kind of analytics, statistics, stuff like that. Very good. And I also read that you started your senior season with two no hitters. Is that true? That is, yeah. Oh my gosh! So what was that like? You probably thought you weren't going to allow a hit all season. Uh, no, I mean obviously you know it's going to end at some point, but it was cool while it lasted. So it was, it was a lot of fun those first couple starts. Um, you know, something that I haven't done since then. So uh, just it was fun. And you had committed to playing college baseball at the University of Washington in Seattle. Then you were drafted by the Cincinnati Reds, correct? So your first round draft choice, by the way, twenty seventh round. How difficult the decision was that to forego college, or if you're taken in the first round, is it that obvious to just go pro? Uh, you know, obviously, um, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but at the end of the day, you know, um, I, I was excited about where I was picked and, and having the opportunity to go pursue my dream, and um, so I wanted to go play baseball, and, and that's what I ended up doing. And you know, it might have took a little bit longer than I wanted to, and things didn't, you know, obviously along the path to kind of. It was kind of bumpy here and there, but, uh, you know, I regret nothing about it. Do you ever think about what your life might have been like had you gone up to Seattle? Yeah, you know, you, you're curious, but obviously I'm, I'm not mad about where I'm, where I'm at right now. So, um, like I said, no regrets. So let's talk about your time with Cincinnati. You made your Major League debut in 2016. So you're in the minors from 11 to 15, 16. Mm -hmm. I saw you in the minors, actually, pitching for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos way back in the day. Describe what that day was like, though, when you finally made your Major League debut. That probably felt pretty good. I was super excited. Um, you know, I had my family out there, and it was a really cold and windy day, and um, there was not a whole lot of people at the ballpark, but it was something I'll never forget. You know, making your Major League debut, there's just nothing like it. So, What do you remember about the first outing, uh, besides it being cold and windy? I remember I gave up a homer to Ryan Howard. He was the second homer I gave up that day, but I remember giving one up to him because I was like, well, if I'm going to give up, up to somebody, it's pretty cool to say it was him. But, uh, you know, I mean, it, was, it kind of flew by, and, you know, we won the game. We ended up scoring a lot of runs, and I got a win that day. So it was, it was a cool experience, and like I said, obviously it was cold and windy, but just having my family out there and, and being able to make my, my debut was a really cool experience. At what point did someone come to you and say, you know what, we think you might be – better off as a reliever than a starter when did that start to happen so 2017 was the first year I started the season in the bullpen mm -hmm. and they were like you know we want you to work on a slider we think that would be a good pitch for you so they had me work on that and I was in the bullpen for the first couple months and uh, I think it was more of just an opportunity to be in the big leagues and learn how to pitch in the big leagues um, while the rotation was pretty full, uh, full at the moment and um, you know I didn't really love it at first I wasn't fully bought into it and I think uh, that was part of the issue was that I wasn't bought in 
and because I still wanted to start. Um, sure. And then so I came back at the end of the year as a starter um, after I got sent down for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then um, I, my first full year in the bullpen was in 2019. And at that point, I was fully bought in. You know, like I want an opportunity to play in the big leagues. And if this is my opportunity, then I'm, you know, I'm going to run with it and, uh, you know, do everything I can. And I think that that's probably the reason why I was able to stay um, was just buying in and, mm -hmm. and, you know, believing in the routine and everything. Uh, and that, now I, I love it. Do you miss starting at all? Yes and no. It's a lot of time in between to, yeah. to think about things. And I like the routine of the bullpen better. It's more of like, you know, you get the opportunity to pitch every day and you can forget about whatever's happened the night before. And, um, you know, you have more of a daily routine instead of a weekly routine. It's just I, I like it personally better. So we talked a little bit about Cincinnati. We'll get to your next stop. But I have to know, are you a Skyline Chili fan or no? God, no. I can't do it. <laughs> no! Sorry, I'm sorry, Cincinnati, but it's just, no, I don't think it's very good. Wow. The, the spaghetti or the hot dogs or, or both? I think it's all of it, honestly. <laughs> You're a Bay Area guy, right? You probably yeah. like with a little kale on there. You were traded to the Rockies in 2020. As the pandemic is going on, describe what that was like. First of all, that must have been a really weird season in 2020, yeah? Yeah, so... Um, 2020, that was not my favorite year. Uh, I don't. I was hurt for part of that season, and then the, the season just didn't go well for me. So I was pretty upset with how that went. And then being traded in the off season, it was kind of exciting for me just to have um, a new opportunity with a new set of eyes. And um, the only thing that was different was, you know, I spent so long in one organization. It was like, okay, I'm going to have to learn how to meet new people again and, and interact with people and. Uh, you know get to know this coaching staff and you know figure out my way over there and uh, but I think you know that first year over there I was really happy with it and loved Colorado um, and I think that season went pretty well for me so it was, it was fun. Meeting new people is one thing you also have to pitch a mile off the ground or a yeah. mile above sea level so what was that like? It's different. I mean, you have to worry about your body a lot there, too, because, you know, obviously being at elevation, you're just not going to recover the same. So you really have to watch your sleep and watch your recovery. And uh, I think that was the biggest factor playing there that, you know, you can see why people don't really like pitching there. Uh -huh. So what was your favorite part about living in Denver? I think just... Uh, you know, off days, I'd go up and I started learning how to fly fish out there. And it was oh, nice. really fun. Just try to go up in the mountains. You can get, um, you know, you'd be 30 minutes away and you're in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's awesome. It's beautiful mm -hmm. out there. You were claimed off waivers by the Pittsburgh Pirates in August of 2022. How did things go in Pittsburgh? I mean, you were there for not even a full season. Yeah. Um, you know, when I got there, they, uh, they had some stuff for me right away and they had a couple adjustments they wanted to make and um, you know they, they welcomed me in and I, I, I loved my experience when I was there um, with, along with the coaching staff the players there it was, I, it was a fun group um, so I, I really enjoyed my time there and we mentioned you're from the Bay Area did you grow up a Giants fan or an A's fan or were you a fan of another team uh, I grew up a Giants fan okay favorite pitcher um, Jason Schmidt Jason Schmidt yeah also a pirate at one point right was he? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. Sorry, I've gotten really good at the immaculate grid <laughs> as of late. So, what is Bob Stevenson doing off the field? So, I've got a wife and two kids. So, uh -huh. when I'm in the off season, and then whenever they're in town, I try to spend as much time as possible uh -huh. with them. But when they're uh, when they're not around, I got free time. Um, I like to golf, like to fish, and video games. If I can't do either of those, can you fly fish down in St. Petersburg? I'm sure you could. I didn't bring my fly rod out yeah. here. It's more fun. I, fly rod fishing is really hard, yeah. so I'd, I'd rather do spin fishing anyway. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, either way, it's just fun to have something to do. So is your family back in the bay? They are, yes. Yeah. So the other bay? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're uh, they're back home right now, and they, they'll come out here and there. It's a long travel, so. And I've got sure. two very young kids, so it's hard to travel with them. 
What have you enjoyed most about being a dad? Has that just been the best thing in your life so far? I think uh, getting to see things through their eyes is probably the best experience. Just being able to watch them have fun and grow and learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, the names of your, of your kids? Um, uh, my daughter's Sydney and then my son is Royce. Now, um, I know your mom is a Filipino-American. She's, she's from an island in the Philippines. Have you been to the Philippines before? No, it's on my bucket list. I'd love to go someday, but I haven't been yet. Okay. What does she say about it? Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time she went. She hasn't been back um, too often since, uh -huh. since, uh, since I've been around, I think. I think she's only been over a couple times um, uh -huh. that I can remember, but... Doesn't doesn't talk about it a ton, but uh, I know that there's like she, she talked about like where where she grew up, like um, on sugarcane fields and stuff out there. Uh -huh. So, I mean, that sounds like maybe a trip you could make with with your new family, right? Yeah, I'd love to someday. Um, maybe when the kids are a little bit older, but um, I, I'd love to go out there sometime. And last question before I get you out of here. I'm curious about the level of comfort here because you did allude to it a couple of uh, minutes ago. Just about going from team to team and, and meeting new people and, and trying to get adjusted. I mean, what has that been like here with the Rays? You know, I think uh, each stop it's gotten easier for me. Um, just, you know, obviously at first there's that comfort of you've been in this organization for nine years, you know everybody here. But, you know, at this point now it's like I'm not going to remember everybody's name, everybody's face. But um, these guys are very laid back here and very welcoming. And I've, I've gotten to know for the most part, pretty much everybody here pretty well, and um, I love it here so far. Bob Stevenson, thanks a lot for taking the time. Best of luck the rest of the season. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Well, we really appreciate Bob Stevenson for taking the time to tell his tale that took him all the way from one bay to another. Coming up, Rays third base coach Brady Williams joins the show. Stay with us. We're coming right back on the Rays. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Baseball Network. And we continue on this week in Rays Baseball with Rays third base coach Brady Williams. Brady, this is the first interview I've done with you in about five years, so it's good to see you again. Yeah, you too. Good to talk with you. Um, you know, a lot of, lot of good memories in those biscuit days. Um, but uh, glad you're bored with us, and it's been a, it's been a treat to listen to you uh, after the game. Uh, hopefully we can, we can keep this thing going. I appreciate the kind words, Brady. What's it been like for you, though? This is your first year in the big leagues as the Rays third base coach. We're, what, three months in, four months in, something around there. How has it been for you? You know, when you ask it like that, like the, the, to start the season, a lot of nerves, a lot of um, anxiety, a lot of um, uh, just looking forward to, like, you know, starting your major league career, so, so to speak. And then you kind of get into the season, and it actually becomes very similar to any other year you've ever had where uh, you have the highs and lows, uh, the good and the bad, and the, the consistency that you got to put in every day just to, to come to the park um, and to get better. I mean, not, not just me, but the players, uh, they have the right mindset. Um, and, you know, I, I know the last month or so has been a, been a challenge for us, but any, any good team that, that I've ever had has to go through something like this to, to really get to where you want to go. And so uh, hopefully it makes us better. What are the lessons that you've taken so far? I know we're not even a, a full season through you being the Rays' third base coach, but what have you learned in 2023? It's the same game. It really is. Um, as much as you 
you hear it or talk about it, and you, you, you can tell a young player, hey, you know, when you get called up, play the same. It's, it is different, but like once once things kind of calm down and like you just you're playing the game of baseball, yeah, the talent is definitely better, uh, but it's still the same game, and you still gotta uh, stay focused and and uh, stay after it every day, like you do in the minor leagues. Um, you know, the the pressures of, of, of the major leagues of winning every night that that is real, uh, but it's still it's it's still it's still a blast coming to the park. In the minor leagues, the managers, at least on the Rays side of things, also coach third. So in some ways, you had a ton of experience doing that. I'm I'm curious, do they do that in other organizations? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure. I I would say majority of managers coach third. I know it's something that was brought up to me like four years ago when I went to AAA for the first year, and they were talking about me going in the dugout, and I was I was really against it just because of I I I actually enjoy coaching third. Um, it, it it helps me stay in the game uh, more. I'm not quite sure what I would honestly do if I was in the dugout the whole yeah. time. Um, plus, I also think you can impact the game in a positive way as long as you you are over there and you're you're doing the best job you could possibly do to help your team win. So. In that light, it has been an invaluable experience, right? Not only being able to manage in the minors, but to coach third every night. Hundred percent. You know the the, the reads that, that I've seen over the last thirteen years have definitely helped the reads here. And then to go along with the scouting reports that we get here, I never had a scouting report in the minor leagues. It was just going off of what I saw, uh, maybe in the previous game, or maybe you saw it an infield outfield. Now you're getting video and you know write ups on all these outfielders and looking at them. And so now. You know that that same read that you had in the minors, it should be better now because you have more information. How does one get better as a third base coach? Are you using all of that information, the the videos and the analytics and all that stuff? Yeah, I try to. You know, they, they, a lot of people put a lot of work into to getting those reports and to getting the video, um, and it's only there to help. Uh, it's, it, you're still going to make your read, and, and as far as like, you know, the game flow and um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the reads that I used to have were based off of who is coming up right so you have your guy hitting and then who's who's on deck um that that really is, is kind of gone away just because of the value of one run in the major leagues is where like if you if you can if you can try to score with one out um the, the chances of getting another hit go way down where in the minor leagues it doesn't you know and so just understanding the value of one run uh and how important that is and you know, our, our, our guys have run the bases extremely well. I mean, when they when they get to me, and like I told them, like if you run hard, you make my decision harder, and I want I want a hard decision. If you're running slow, it's easy for me. Just I'm just going to stop you, you know. And so guys are coming to me. There's been a few times this year where we've actually pushed the envelope because of how hard they're running, and how slow the play is developing, and we've scored some runs because of it. Well, how excited were you when you found out that you were going to be promoted? to the Rays and become their third base coach. I know you've been in this organization as a coach since 2006, so it's been a long time. It's been a grind, I'm sure. I was with you through the majority of your time in Montgomery, and then you went on to Durham. But just how gratifying was it to be promoted, and how did you find out? Yeah, extremely, you know, because you, know, you almost get to a point where, like, is it ever going to happen? You know, I mean, you see all your friends that, you know, coaches that you've colleagues you've worked with they're all in the major leagues and you're you're, you're just still kind of grinding it out and uh but I still I never let it get to me I always I always went to the park with the mindset of my job is to get players better and um and that was the focus and I, I still I still try to do that every day um when Cash called me uh my two boys were at home with me my wife was working and so he had asked 
uh, me to put it on speakerphone, and he asked my two sons, can you guys do me a favor? And they're like, yes. He's like, can you ask your dad if he wants to be the third base coach of the Tampa Bay Rays next year? And my heart just dropped. I mean, it really did. Um, and my boys started going, doing circles around the kitchen, mm-hmm. screaming. So it was, it was definitely a cool moment. Your first year with the Rays organization, I want to make sure that I have this right, was being a coach for the Southwest Michigan Devil Rays. Is that true? And what was that season like? You are up there in Midland, Michigan, correct? That was my first year as a coach. My fr- I actually was here as a player back in 01. I played in Bakersfield for a little bit. But Southwest Michigan, um, the, they had, the manager actually either left. I'm not sure. They were hiring a manager. So I actually went and interviewed. I was 26 for a manager's job. Um, obviously didn't get it. I was I became the the, uh, the uh, hitting coach there. Um, but what a learning experience! I actually thought I was going to get fired after my first year. That's how bad it was. I mean, our, our, as a hitting coach, our team hit like 180 as a team. Um, we lost two no hitters that year. Um, we had Wade Davis and uh, Jake McGee on that team. So it was a it was a learning season. I learned a lot on on actually how to coach. I didn't know what was going on. Jimmy Hoff. The late, great Jimmy Hoff helped me out tremendously. Skeeter Barnes was there. R.C. Lichtenstein, who was a uh, pitch coach still in the – all these guys are still in the organization. Um, Chris Russell was the trainer uh-huh. there. Um, We're and, just running the names back yeah, from Montgomery right now. All of them, right? And Skeet still says to this day that he uh, he helped me the most because he's like, he, you learned what not to do as a manager. <laughs> Watching me and said, oh, Skeet, you're beautiful, man. So what was your first managing job? Um, my first year was in Hudson Valley in 09. So I, I was a hitting coach for three years. Um, and it was kind of that, that moment of like, do you want to continue to be a hitting coach or do you want to start to manage? And I just, I had a passion for managing. And so I went back to, to rookie level uh, to manage. I could have gone to double A to be a hitting coach, but I decided to go become a manager and glad I did. And you also have that, that manager blood, right? Your dad, Jimmy Williams. A longtime manager in Major League Baseball. He won the 99 uh, AL Manager of the Year as manager of the Boston Red Sox. That was the same year you were drafted by the Red Sox as well in the 45th round. Talk about your relationship with your dad, though. I mean, how critical has he been to your success? I mean, for years. I mean, he just we talked baseball forever. I mean, it was never something that he forced, really. He just I, I grew up, I was really good at baseball as a young kid, and so I just really... Uh, fell in love with it and talking the game. Um, I think the moments that I really, really enjoyed the most were after after the game in um, in Boston. We'd come home and he was we would start. I would start asking him questions. He or he would start uh, talking about rules of the game, like you know, ground ball to right field, and the right fielder throws the ball to third base, and the ball goes in the stands. Where do you put the runners? And like these were trivia questions every night, and I was not very good. I didn't. I got a lot of them wrong. But over time, I started getting them right, and you're really starting to enjoy like those kind of different things about the game that you never really paid attention to as a player, um, and then starting to really enjoy that part of the game. That was a really good Red Sox team that year, too, in 1999. They were the wild card winners. They lost to the Yankees, I believe, in the American League Championship Series. I'm sure you spent some time in that clubhouse, though. What do you remember about that Red Sox team? Yeah, just a lot of, a lot of good people first. You know, Nomar. Uh, Troy O'Leary, Pedro Martinez, um, Mike Stanley. There's a lot of lot of lot of good names. Uh, I'm not sure if Veritek was there yet. Jason Veritek might have been there, uh, but they were down two nothing, I believe, to Cleveland in the in the in the in the uh, wild card, and they came back and they they won three in a row, mm-hmm. two two on the road, and they won back home. That's right. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a just a, a really good team. Um, yeah, I remember Pedro threw, I think, 17 Ks against the Yankees that year in the, in in Yankee Stadium. It's still one of the best pitching performances I've ever seen uh, that that year. What was that like going to school though, and having everybody know that? Oh, that's the kid whose dad is manager of the Red Sox. Just the way it was. I mean, I tried not to let it bother you. Just try to live your life like like a normal kid, um, and never made it a big deal. You still talk to him quite a bit, though, don't you? Pretty much every day, yeah. um, especially game days. Uh, just to kind of maybe go over the go over the game yesterday. He watches every night. Uh, still has a lot of passion for the game. Still, I'm sure he still yells at the TV. Come on, what are you guys doing? Or or maybe. You know, a few claps are here. That's good. Here we go, you know. But um, he still has a passion for the game, and uh, he's, a, he's a baseball lifer. And then your younger brother, Sean, has also not only played organized baseball, professional baseball rather, but he's also coached. And last year he was manager of the AA Reading Fight and Phils in the Philadelphia Phillies organization. You said he's taken a step back, but how cool has that been? I'm sure you talked to him quite a bit as well throughout this entire journey. Yeah, I have. You know, and not as much this year just because he is now managing the, their, their Gulf Coast League team or FSL team uh, to be home with his family. He's got a beautiful family. He's got three kids, another one coming. So uh, he's, he's quite the busy man. But, um, yeah, a lot of conversations, you know, just, just, just situations that come up, whether it's in the clubhouse or whether it's on the field, just bouncing ideas off each other. Um, both of us have helped each other out. But it's nice to have him in the area as well. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, he's he's great, man. He's my best friend, and uh, he's, he's he's an awesome dad. Let's talk about your minor league career. The highest you made it was Double A with the New Britain Rockcats. How cool was that? Just making it up to Double A. I remember when they were the Hardware City Rockcats. I'm not sure if that was the name of the team when you were there, though. Oh, these cats rock. That's all I remember. Um, yeah, New Britain Rockcats. Um, yeah, I mean, the goal was to get to here. You know, the goal was always to try to get to the major leagues. And then, you know, you just you, you kind of realize that the, that that climb is very difficult. And at the, at the highest level, there's just a lot of really good players. And, um, you know, I, I played, I think, seven years, enjoyed all those years. But honestly, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed coaching a lot more, uh, especially managing, just because you don't, you don't deal with the 0-4s. You know, those are the, those, that's the challenge with players. Was 0 for 4s and coming to the park the next day, um, you know, trying to get over that hump, and that's why this game's such a such a mentally tough game. Was it hard to walk away from playing the game initially? You know, I just it was one. I, I didn't really work at it, and my dad came home one year and he's like, "Do you want to start coaching?" And it actually shocked me, but he kind of saw it. I just didn't really have the passion like I did when I was you know 20 years old and uh, started a new journey and, and really appreciated it. You've been at almost every stop in the Rays organization in, in their minor league systems favorite stop and don't feel like you have to say the gump for my sake um for me is durham i mean it's just the, uh, you know the, the history that's there you know i, I love my five years in montgomery um really honestly like like fine-tuning my manager style and like trying to figure out like how like the best way to manage was uh those years are vital to where i'm at uh but just the, i think just the the passion the fans have and just the history of durham i mean you have bull durham the movie and uh, the, 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 the generations and a lot of winning there to where you just you feel obligated you owe it to not just yourself and the team but you owe it to those fans to like show up and play play well and win um, so there's pressure a little bit of pressure there which makes it more fun but you won a lot of championships there too didn't you we did we had really good teams really good players um, awesome staff and you know the like I said the passion of, of those fans dr- dr- drives a lot of those players to, to, to perform better uh, and what a place to come to the park
Well, thanks a lot, Brady. We appreciate you taking the time. All right, we continue on this week in Rays baseball with Rays play-by-play announcer Andy Freed. Andy, I know you're busy on the road. Big road trip for Tampa Bay right now, so thanks for taking the time. Anytime, Chris. You know that. Well, let's talk about this tumultuous month of July that the Rays have endured. Obviously, they got off to an amazing start, a historic start at the beginning of this year, and now we're experiencing the other side. What do you think is going on in this month of July? Well, every year I tell myself, and this is my 30th year doing this, so every year I tell myself, don't get too emotional about the, the high ebbs or the, uh, the low ebbs of the season and the, the high swings that happen. There's going to be times where it feels like you're never going to win again, and there's going to be times it feels like you're never going to get a hit again. And then it feels, then there's other times when you're on a winning streak, like earlier on in the year, when it felt like this team was never going to experience anything like this. So I, I've been trying to uh, look at it like this. You know, if someone had said at the beginning of the year, we'd be a couple of games out of first or, or in first or right close to first, leading the wild card of right there in the American League East, uh, just behind uh, the Orioles. Uh, I, as July turns to August, I'd say, great, we're having a great year, but you know, I've talked to Kevin Cash about this, too. It's like because it's been such a year of extremes uh, where this team was so good through June, you know, that's that's past the halfway mark of the season in terms of games. And then to have the bottom fall out. And, you know, when they won all those games early, all they really had to do was not have a month like July and they would have cruised into the postseason. Honestly, right now, everything is a little bit in doubt because 5-15 and 15 coming into the weekend against the Houston Astros is pretty scary right now if you're a Rays fan. It, it, it's one of those moments where it feels like you're never going to win again and you're never going to hit again. Logic tells you that things will turn around at least to a degree. Uh, but, you know, that's not always what happens in baseball. So trying to make sense of it, Chris, like everybody else, and it's just been such a year of extremes, it's tested that theory of not being too high or too low. Well, this difficult month has also coincided with the Rays playing a lot of very good teams, right? I mean, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Atlanta Braves, the Baltimore Orioles, the Texas Rangers, and now the Houston Astros. How much do you think that is responsible? It, or is it just that? It's just that the opponents have been that much better than who the Rays saw earlier in the year. I think it's a coincidence. I mean, you look at, at where the Rays were through June, they had played plenty of good teams. In fact, the Rays had the best record going against the teams above 500. Uh, so I, I do think it has something to do with playing a team when they're hot also. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't control when you play a team on the schedule. So, you know, the Phillies were playing their best baseball prior to the series against the Rays and had it going for a while. And they just you know, took two or three from the Orioles also. So they happen to have been very hot. The Braves are playing their best. Uh, and those teams are on par, if not slightly better than the Rays right now. But uh, I, I really don't put a lot of stock into the schedule. I, I, and I don't look at road trips or series and say, we've got to go seven and three. We've got to go eight and two. I just think you really take them, you know, let, let's win tonight and go on to the next day. So I don't put a lot of stock on it. The Rays took two or three from the Rangers earlier on in the year. Um, and I think they're right up there with the Phillies and Braves. But but right now, it it's all because of one thing. It's just because of the offense. They're still basically pitching well enough at the very top of Major League Baseball in terms of earned run average. 
they're just not hitting. So right now it is all on the hitters. You've been in with the Rays since the mid-2000s, Andy, and you've seen a lot of different types of Rays teams. Have you ever seen a month like this before during your time in Tampa Bay? Honestly, the only months I can think of were in the years of the Devil Rays when this franchise was not good. And we know that this team is very, very good. I mean, you don't get to that point through June where you've still got the best record in all of baseball without being at least a quality team, uh, maybe even the best team in the game, certainly within the top handful of teams in the game. So, you know, we were looking at the worst months in franchise history, and they're all in the Devil Ray years. You know, I remember in 06, the team went 3-33 and 33 on the road after the All-Star break. That just doesn't, that doesn't calculate to what this team is doing, 5-15. and 15. Now, it is one month. Kevin Cash has been very consistent and very even. I still feel a, a good vibe around the team when I'm down there. Uh, and then you go out and just don't score. I mean, I, I don't mean to, to put everything on one or two players, but right now, with Wander Franco and Randy Rosarena having the kind of months that they are, I don't think this team can win without those guys starting to hit better to what they're you know capable of doing. But it's not just them. I mean, you, you look at the other guys that are all hitting under 200 in the month of July, so it's kind of been uh, all because of the offense. Uh, they, they just have to hit a little bit better, and if they don't, it'll be a struggle. If they do, they should cruise. How do you think they're going to get off the schneid, though? I mean, April and May, they all seem like kind of a long ways away right now. But this is still essentially the same exact team that went 13-0 and at the beginning of the season. And not just 13-0. and I mean, it was, what, 27-6, and and then they, they won 17 games in May. And then June felt like a bit of a roller coaster, but we looked up and they won 17 games in June. I mean, I... The goal is, quite often, to win about 15 games a month and you'll get into postseason. This team was well above that. Uh, so in terms of what it will take, I would hope staying the course uh, offensively and, and just try to get it to come back uh, and, and continue to put the work in, I think that's a big part of it. My fear is that as struggles like this continue, guys try to do too much. It's human nature. Uh, you're trying to hit your way out of the slump. If anyone knew the answer to a batting slump, then they would, they'd be the kings of baseball. But uh, no one really knows uh, why it's mysterious, why hitting comes and goes. The only way I uh, kind of describe it or think of it is that hitting really is all about millimeters. I mean, it's about very tiny amounts of space of where the ball hits the bat. Uh, it's about timing. It's about weight shift. It's about balance. It's about uh, sometimes a little bit of luck. Uh, and right now, none of those things are going for the race. I will say towards the end of July, it's been encouraging to see Brandon Lau start to hit a little bit better. And, and even if it hasn't shown in great numbers yet, I think his at-bats have been better. Uh, the quality of that bat has, has gotten up for him. Guys like Harold Ramirez, Yandy Diaz, I, I look at those guys as guys that are always going to be able to hit. Uh, I'm concerned right now about Randy and Wander. Those are the two guys that... I can't get out of my head. If they don't hit, we're just going to struggle. So I think you put the work in, and then, as you know, hitting is such a game of uh, in your mind. It's it's like a free throw shooter in basketball. The more you try to make the free throw, the less you're going to do it. It's like a kicker in football. You get into those slumps, and for some reason, you just can't do it. Something that you know you're capable of doing. I think baseball is the same sort of thing. 
and hitting is probably, in, in fact, I don't even doubt it, the most difficult thing to do in sports, and it doesn't always make sense. Well, we have the trade deadline rapidly approaching. It's going to be on Tuesday when the Rays are in New York taking on the Yankees. I'm sure they are going to be making some moves because just about every team in the American League East is still alive, and that goes for just about every team in Major League Baseball, right? Now that we have six playoff spots, it's kind of difficult, I imagine, for teams to decide are we buyers or are we sellers? Where do you think the Rays are on that spectrum, and what do you think they need to do should they make some trades in order to bolster this team? My expectations are low, only in that being with the Rays now for 19 years, very rarely does this team make an enormous splash, and it's not because of lack of effort. I can remember in 2008, the Rays were sure that their package of prospects to get Jason Bay from the Pirates uh, was the best uh, package, that it was better than what the Red Sox were offering, and, and history showed the Rays were right, but it was the Pirates and the Red Sox that consummated the deal. It takes two teams, and there have been many times over the years we the Rays would think uh, that their package was the best one being offered, but it hasn't happened. The only time I think that the Rays have really made a big splash during the season, I'm not talking about during the offseason, offseason they make splashes all the time, but during the season, uh, the Nelson Cruz trade was really, really exciting in 2021. I remember how everyone in the group thought that just put us over the top, and there was every reason to think that. But in so doing, uh, they did have to trade Joe Ryan, and as it turned out, the Rays got upset in the first round of the playoffs, even though they won 100 games, and now it will be incredibly good to have Joe Ryan on this group. Uh, the Rays have needed a starting pitcher ever since the Springs went down. They've been kind of chasing that all year long, and then Rasmussen goes down as well, and Eflin's a little bit banged up with his knee. So uh, I, I, my expectations are always a little bit low, but I do think the want-to is there. I, I think the, the Rays are checking in with a lot of teams, but frankly, my guess, you know, the Rays are so organized that I think the Rays have been prepared to do stuff for a while, but I think there's other teams out there that still aren't totally sure what they're doing. I mean, look, the Angels just made their decision and then made it public about Otani and then traded for Giolito. That is a business decision that goes to the highest, that basically comes down to the owner. Uh, so I think the Rays are very much willing and organized and ready to make some deals, but it takes two teams to do it. And I think other teams, to me, are kind of, I don't want to say arriving late to the party, but I think they're still in their decision-making process and the Rays are, are ready to do something already. Last question before I let you go, Andy. You've gotten a chance to move over to the television side this year as we talk a bit about broadcasting. Obviously very new to the big leagues, but I am curious, what has that been like and how different is it calling games on TV versus calling them on radio? My philosophy in this broadcast business, Chris, is all about having fun, and I'm having a really good time doing it. Um, uh, and I love, I'm always rooting radio. I can't ever imagine... Uh, not having the majority of the games that I do. Uh, and I'm lucky and fortunate that the Rays will continue to have me do it because uh, I love working here and, and I love the relationship with the Rays. I'm always kind of rooted in radio, but I, I'd be lying if I said I really didn't enjoy I'm having a blast working with Brian Anderson and Doug Wechter too. Uh, and Trisha and Ryan have been great. And Dwayne himself has been really selfless in taking uh, some time back. And he and I had talked about it because I wanted to make sure that it was something that he was okay with also. Dwayne is the TV voice of the Rays and has been since the beginning. So thankfully, all those uh, people have been helpful 
but in terms of just doing the broadcast, it's been a if you can't sit in a booth with Brian Anderson and have a good time talking about a baseball game, then then you can't have fun in the game. So I'm having an absolute ball doing it. I'm looking forward to the others and looking forward to getting you on the road with us a little bit too. I'm excited about that. Andy Freed, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck on this road trip, and we'll see you in Motown. Always my pleasure, Kush. We'll see you soon, bud. And we certainly appreciate the time of both Brady Williams and Andy Freed as the Rays prepare to wrap up what has been an unexpected month of July. We'll go to another break, but when we return, MLB.com's Rays beat reporter Adam Barry joins the program from Houston to talk to us about the series against the Astros, Tuesday's trade deadline, and everything else in between. That's all on the other side of this break on the Rays Baseball Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Chris Adams-Wall, and I'm joined now by MLB.com's Rays beat reporter Adam Barry, who is coming to us live in Houston. Adam, thanks so much for taking a few minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. All right, so tough loss last night, 17-4. to What happened exactly there? Uh, it wasn't ideal, really, from the get-go. Uh, the Rays were shut down by Astros starter Hunter Brown, um, who they've seen good in the past. Didn't get anything on the board until the 7th when they got some relatively encouraging uh, late-inning home runs from Isak Paredes, who got his 20th of the year in Wander Franco, who's been needing to see some good results. Uh, and then pitching-wise, it just kind of went off the rails for Taj Bradley. The Astros ran up his pitch count uh, with a lot of quality at-bats, good takes, good, uh, you know, fouling good pitches off, uh, and then just capitalizing, you know, with a big hit in the fourth inning, and then it kind of got out of hand for... Calvin Fauche, Rene Pinto was supposed to finish the game in his first uh, pitching appearance of his life, but couldn't get through a uh, second inning, gave up three home runs in his one inning, so they had to turn to Jake Diekman basically just to get through the game. Really kind of a low point for what has been a really tough month for the Rays overall, um, and they're going to try to bounce back today and get a win uh, heading into New York. Yeah, you mentioned this tumultuous month that they've had. They're 6-16 six and 16 now in July going into today's series finale, and we know the trade deadline is looming, and that has fans wondering, why has Tampa Bay not made any moves yet? You know, Lance Lynn, we thought we were going to get him. Now he's going to the Dodgers. Max Scherzer just got traded yesterday. Do you think that the Rays will make a move? And do you think that they need to make a move? I think certainly they could use a move really just kind of to spark the clubhouse a little bit right now. You mentioned this month, it's 6-16, six and 16, uh, one of the worst months in franchise history. Certainly seems like they could use a little bit of a jolt. Obviously they need the guys they have to start playing better, but... Sometimes, you know, in addition and just seeing that the front office is going forward, a little excitement can kind of spread throughout the clubhouse. And I do expect them to do something. I don't know if it's anything that's going to change the lineup, which has been the biggest issue this month, but uh, certainly something to address the pitching staff, which is more of a personnel issue at this point. They need pitching. They don't technically have a fifth starter. You're going to see Zach Littell, a converted reliever out there on the mound today. They could use a guy to eat up innings and help get them through the stretch run of the season. Uh, you know, provide a little depth there because they've, they've been tested so much by injuries. And I think another reliever is also on the table for this team. Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals is a name that's been thrown out there quite a bit. Uh, would make a lot of sense for the Rays as a big, talented arm who you could put at the back end with Pete Fairbanks and really try to shorten games from the back end as opposed to adding, you know, a starter who would help you on the front end. And we know that the offense has been struggling too. Do you see them needing a bat as well? 
I think the biggest thing is just getting their guys back on track. I mean, you've seen, like I said, Wander Franco had a little bit of an encouraging couple of days here recently, but Randy Rosarena has a 505 OPS this month. You know, they need their stars to be their stars. And, you know, you've seen Isak Paredes be pretty consistent. Yandy Diaz has been fairly consistent. They really need Wander and, and Randy to get going to get this lineup where they want to go. And, you know, it's been a tough stretch for them. And I feel like that has a little bit of a cascading effect put some pressure on guys lower in the order who feel like they have to do more they press they get out of their approach and it just kind of compounds from there and we've really seen that for a month now uh, with the Rays being one of the worst hitting teams in the majors but who are you going to upgrade over these are all still the same guys who got off to such a hot start at the beginning of the season you know are you going to replace a Josh Lowe or a you know not Randy or Brandon Lau has been pretty good since he came back um, the only real spot where you could potentially see a move uh, on the position player side is catcher just because of the injury to Francisco Mejia uh, that has tested their depth by bringing up Rene Pinto and obviously left them a little thin at AAA. Well, Adam Barry, we really appreciate you taking the time, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, happy to do it. Thanks, Chris. All right. And we certainly appreciate Adam Barry's time on This Week in Race Baseball for offering all of his insight. And we also want to thank all of our other guests on the show today, including Rays righty Bob Stevenson for sharing his thoughts on how his first season with the Rays has gone, as well as Rays third base coach Brady Williams for discussing his inaugural year in Tampa Bay. We also want to thank Andy Freed for taking the time to give us his two cents on the Rays' tumultuous month of July. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me. You can do so fairly easily at Chris Adams Wall and at Rays Radio. Special thanks to Derek DeBose, Steve Versnick, Becca Carney, Parker Welch, Alex Fuse. I'm Chris Adams Wall. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front 4-1. If you missed any of the show, catch it at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.